Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. I'm Steve Whitaker, sitting in for Mickey Connolly today because Mickey recently had knee replacement surgery. Mm, painful to think about. Yeah, well, he's on the mend. <laughs> yes, and he he'll is. return to this chair soon. Yep. So we are devoting this episode of the Ordinary Pastor Podcast to remembering R.C. Sproul, mm, yes, we who are. entered into glory on mm. December 14th. Yes, he did. It's fitting, I think, that we talk about R.C. today here mm. on the Ordinary mm. Pastor Podcast mm. because. R.C. was very much a theologian for ordinary pastors. Mm, That's true. Well said. I hope we'll talk some later, C.J., Mm. in this podcast about what pastors can learn from R.C., about Mm. how to communicate the Mm. riches of hard-won study in Mm. ways that are easily Mm. accessible to a congregation. Mm -hmm. But first, maybe we could begin with something more personal. C.J., you had a great friendship with R.C., And I know that his friendship, as well as his writing and his mm. teaching, all had quite an effect on you. Mm. So maybe you could begin mm. by telling us about your experience at his mm. memorial service. Yeah. You know, Steve, I think everybody felt they had a great friendship with R.C. Mm. Uh, I think he was so generous with his friendship, gave that gift to many people, and I'm very grateful that uh, he gave that gift to me. Yeah, The memorial service was uh, so deeply moving. I think I think John Piper captured it best with when he said it was glorious because Jesus was so exalted as R.C. was remembered. I think that captures what took place for all who are in attendance. And I would encourage our pastors to, to watch this service. It's available online because it, it will inspire you. It will inspire you to run hard, to run your race hard, and to finish well. Uh, Listen carefully to the the eulogies. There were four eulogies. All of them were uh, exceptional. I I don't think I would edit a word uh, from each of them. And the eulogies began with Guy Rizzo. So this would be an individual who, uh, if I understand correctly, R.C. met and I think played a role in evangelizing this guy in the context of the club where they played golf, where R.C. wrote some of his books, uh, and where he held uh, evangelistic Bible studies as well. And and this guy, he just captured uh, R.C. for all of us and talked about how the, the numerous questions he had for R.C., but R.C., he said, never called him stupid uh, for asking these questions until after he was converted. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and that just wonderfully captured R.C., just reaching out to this guy, uh, sharing the gospel with this guy, caring for this guy, answering all his questions. And then upon conversion, uh, the friendship changes, and and with full affection, uh, R.C. would uh, ridicule him in a way that communicated his affection. So uh, Chris Larson, who's the president of Ligonier, shared what it was like to work with R.C., Robert Godfrey shared. John MacArthur shared. I mean, I just encourage everybody to to watch for those. Then Sinclair Ferguson preached a sermon from Isaiah 6. It it was, you know, from where I sat, it was just magnificent. Uh, Two songs were sung, performed by the orchestra and the the choir, um, deeply moving, uh, both written by R.C. Second one, Highland Hymn, um, which is about heaven can't look at the words I'm glancing at them here without just crying and reliving uh, that moment of seeing so yes I, w- I would encourage uh, all of our pastors to, to watch this uh, memorial service 
Excellent. So, yep. pastors, if you're listening, it's not hard to find. If you Google R.C. Sproul Memorial Service, it'll come right up. So definitely recommend that you watch that. Now, C.J., take us back then a little further maybe and tell us about your first encounter with R.C. And I'm uh, curious to know, especially, how did your initial impressions of R.C. and his writings compare with him in person? Well, I mean, reading uh, my story is, 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 is so similar to... <laughs> Countless stories. Uh, reading the holiness of God and the reading of that book becoming an encounter with God and really a defining moment in my life. So like so many, uh, I can take you. I have vivid memories of, of where I was actually sitting at one point with uh, tears streaming down my face as I'm uh, reading this book, uh, which really did become a, a book that, that changed my life and continues to influence uh, my life. And so to be introduced in this unique way by this unique man to the holiness of God, uh, and then to meet him personally. I was nervous when I met him, and and I didn't know what to, what to expect. And I certainly did not expect the warmth and affection and humor that I encountered uh, when I met R.C. So, uh, so at the first T4G conference, I'm sitting in the front row, and uh, I'm sitting right in front of the pulpit. I'm, I I don't remember who was speaking, but I was giving that individual uh, my complete attention, and appropriately so. Uh, I, I did notice, though, that a note was being passed from from the right toward the left, and so a note was proceeding down the row. Uh, my way, which I just assumed, I think Mark Dever and Matt Schmucker were sitting just to my left, so I just assumed this was a note related to something administratively. And so I, without uh, in any way you know, ceasing to give my full attention to whoever speaking, I just reached out my right hand, took the note, and then was passing it over without even looking at it. But I just glanced before I made it the official pass and saw that it had my name on it. It said CJ. So I stopped, waited for just a second at the appropriate moment, uh, and then opened the note. And the note was a quote from Second Kings 2, 23, <laughs> where some small boys came out to the city and jeered the prophet, saying, go up, you bald head, go up. <laughs> you bald head. So I'm staring at this note. I turn to my right, and there at the end of the row, fully leaning out from the row, looking at me with an absolute you know, smile that filled his face, was R.C. Sproul. Now, what you know, I, so I'm trying to reconcile what I've learned about the holiness of God with what I'm experiencing with him personally. And I realized, you know what? The guy I learned the most about the holiness of God from is actually the happiest guy in the room. Mm. And and he is the guy most full of joy uh, because he most likely was the guy most amazed by mm. grace. So I could you know, tell other stories like that, but it, to, to be with him was was the man filled the room and filled the room not only with with insights in relation to scripture gospel, but f- filled the room with with his with his with his heart of of joy, his sense of humor. Uh, so, yes, my my initial impressions were not what I anticipated in meeting him, but. Uh, for for our pastors, uh, I mean, it's just I won't say required reading 
his book, The Holiness of God, is is just on the short list, not only of must-reads. In fact, if you haven't read it, don't admit you haven't read this book. Just read it immediately. Uh, so you'll be numbered among those who have read it. But for those of us who have read it, uh, it it's it's worthy of a reread. This this is on the short list of yearly rereads. And for me, uh, you know, I I just have vivid memories of my first read of this book. And so when I heard that R.C. had passed on to heaven, uh, I just began to read it again and was deeply affected again uh, and reliving memories, particularly of the chapter Holy Justice uh, and where he just is describing different individuals whom God executed uh, and in particular talks about Uzzah and how as Uzzah sought to steady the ark. They were the ark was being returned by David to Jerusalem. The oxen stumbled. Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark, and God, God's anger burned against him, and God struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. So he died there before God. It says in First Chronicles thirteen, and then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and. So R.C. writes, if God made David angry with this violent outburst of wrath, how much more unsettled does it make a reader who is unskilled in theology? And certainly when I first read this book, I was unskilled in theology. Uh, so I'm, I'm, this book has my rapt attention. Uh, and, and then he goes on to, to just articulate, surely, surely, as he's interacting with the reader, Uzzah's reaction was instinctive. He, he did what any pious Jew would do to keep the ark from falling into the mud. He reached out his hand to steady the ark to protect the holy object from falling. It was not a premeditated act of defiance toward God. It was a reflex action. From our vantage point, it seems like an act of heroism. We think that Uzzah should have heard the voice of God shouting down from heaven, crying, thank you, Uzzah. God didn't do that. Instead, he killed Uzzah. He slaughtered him on the spot. Another summary execution. And then he goes on to say, well, what was Uzzah's sin? Uh, and ma he makes clear from Scripture that not only was Uzzah forbidden to touch the ark, he was forbidden to even look at it. But he touched it anyway, and then he writes, He stretched out his hand and placed it squarely on the ark, steadying it in place, lest it fall to the ground. An act of heroism? R.C. writes, No, it was an act of arrogance, a sin of presumption. Uzzah assumed that his hand was less polluted than the earth, but it wasn't the ground or the mud that would desecrate the ark. It was the touch of man. The earth is an obedient creature. It does what God tells it to do. But the ground doesn't commit cosmic treason. There's nothing polluted about the ground. It was man's touch that was forbidden. Uzzah was not an innocent man, and he was not punished without warning. And so then he, he writes, There is a reason why we are offended, indeed angered by the story of Uzzah. We find these things difficult to stomach because we do not understand four vitally important biblical concepts, holiness, justice, sin, and grace. We do not understand what it means to be holy. We do not understand what justice is. We do not understand what sin is. We do not understand what grace is. The story of Uzzah is an example of divine justice. It's not an example of divine mercy. 
But we cannot begin to understand divine mercy until we first have some understanding of divine justice. Now, <laughs> listen, when I read this book, I, I was inspired to teach an extended series on all those God killed in the Bible. And I can remember when I announced that. I mean, understandably, people were perplexed and, and had questions for me after the meeting. Uh, but as we worked our way through all of these passages where one can initially be perplexed, um, by the time we were done a particular passage, we, we were no longer surprised that God had executed a certain individual. Instead, we all wondered why we were still breathing, and we knew then that it was the mercy of God. So that mercy of God in Christ, and, and that's the fruit and effect of this book. And so, yes, to, to encounter the man was to encounter somebody uh, who was aware of the holiness of God and, as a result, was most amazed by grace because all those who are aware of wrath appreciate grace and are amazed by grace, and that was embodied in this man. It's powerful. Yeah, I was actually just, I found even just like an hour ago, ancient notes from that series. And then as I was going through these old notebooks, I, I remembered, oh, wow, came to another section, did a whole series on hell and the goodness of God. These were lengthy series, and they were all inspired by this book uh, and this man's teaching. And I think the effect on, on all was to be more amazed by the grace of God, not less as a result. Well, that's quite a legacy to leave, and what yep. a gift that book is to yes. us and oh, many my. others. Oh, treasure. Yes. So that book may be one of R.C.'s best known. Yep. I think a lot of people have read it, and it seems to have sold a lot of copies. Yep. What do you think might be one of R.C.'s most overlooked books? Oh, that is a good question, and for me, that's not difficult to answer. I, I think saved from what? Hmm. Um, this would be, I mean, Spurgeon exhorted us, abide hard by the cross and search the mystery of his wounds, dwell where the cries of Calvary can be heard. So I've got about 10 to 15 books um, that just preach the gospel to my soul, and this would be one of them. So that saved from what? Um, it, it starts out with just him saying, are you saved? And he recalls, he, he recalls vividly a time, uh, actually in 1969, where he was asked this question. So he's a, he's a professor at Gordon-Conwell. He, he's he's, he's um, walking, uh, I think, across the campus, and, and somebody blindsides him and just asks him directly, are you saved? And he then describes he wasn't sure how to respond. And so he responded, saved from what? So there's no question this person was sincere, they were a Christian, they were seeking to evangelize him, they obviously didn't know uh, who he was. Uh, and so the guy responded, save from what? Well, you know what I mean. You know, do you know Jesus? And then he tried to give me a, a brief summary of the gospel. And R.C. writes, but it was clear, though, that though this man had a zeal for salvation, he had little understanding of what salvation is. Hmm. And so then he goes on to write, what do we need to be saved from? We need to be saved from God, mm. not from kidney stones, not from hurricanes, not from military defeats. Whatever human being needs to be saved from is God. Mm. The last thing in the world the impenitent sinner ever wants to meet on the other side of the grave is God. But the glory of the gospel is that the one from whom we need to be saved is the very one who saves us. God, in saving us, saves us from himself. Wow. So I, I think this book has been uh, overlooked and possibly underappreciated.
appreciate it. And I would just uh, commend it to to all pastors in particular, first and foremost, for, for our own souls. But also, we, we are living in a time where... Uh, you know, we we are being encouraged, and 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 sadly, pastors are for different reasons uh, toning down the wrath of God, if not ignoring the wrath of God. And yet, that that is what we are saved from by God Himself through Christ and Him crucified. So, in, in order to make sure that those you are serving are not only informed but affected by salvation, they must know what they are saved from, who they are saved from, and who they have been saved by, so that whenever we make a reference to Savior, we understand the danger we have been rescued from, and that book will serve pastors in that regard. Excellent. I love how that book is going to help pastors and churches fill in the details of what such common Christian words like salvation and Savior mean. That's so valuable. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Well, I first heard uh, an R.C. Uh, his teaching videos when I was in high school. Oh, is now, that right? I, that was when I was How first wonderful exposed. Is that? I think it was. Oh, I envy you. I think it was pleasing God. I think if I remember, ah, it was that book. Our, our youth pastor took it, took us through it. One of the ah. things that I didn't recognize then, but has become more clear to me now, as I've been exposed to more teaching, is that R.C. was obviously extremely learned, incredibly mm-hmm. intelligent. Yep. His smartest guy in the room. His preaching yep. and teaching yep. often awash in Latin phrases, hefty theological mm-hmm. concepts, but. His teaching and preaching was very accessible. Yes. Uh, even as a high school student, I can understand what yes. he was talking about. Oh my! Very much a theologian for the common Christian. Well and so, said. Since this well said podcast is for ordinary pastors, yeah. what do you hope that pastors might learn from RC and his example of deep learning expressed in hmm. plain teaching? That is a great question. Uh, well, study the man's teaching. Yes, Steve, you are exactly right. He he was a captivating speaker. <laughs> Captivating, mm-hmm. uh, and and again, if if, if the category is uh, R.C. Sproul writing that has been overlooked, uh, I I want to draw our pastor's attention to uh, a contribution he made to the book The Preacher and Preaching, edited by Samuel T. Logan. He he wrote a chapter in this book called The Whole Man. It's on preaching. It wow. it is it is so rich. Uh, there is just a. A, a wealth of wisdom here, uh, beginning uh, theologically, but extending to all things practically as well. Uh, and so, when you when you read this chapter, you you realize the kind of detail the man devoted himself to in relation to the preaching event, and he is providing you with his. Uh, I just think, invaluable counsel and perspective here. So just one brief excerpt. Uh, He writes at one point, preaching calls forth an emotional response. I mean, I can hear hear him saying this uh, in in that uh, classic Pittsburgh accent, which I think is second only to the the British and the Scottish accent. Uh, And he said, it is not merely an exercise in the transfer of information. The pulpit is is a setting for drama. Mm. Uh, I mean, I can remember I had dinner with him one time and just asking about preaching, and he just looked across at me and, and CJ, find the drama in the passage. <laughs> just, I'll never forget it. Uh, so he says, the gospel itself is dramatic. We are not speaking of the sense of drama as a contrived performance or as a make-believe world of play acting. We are speaking of dramatic truth, truth that shatters the soul, then brings healing and sends the human spirit soaring. It must grieve the Holy Ghost when his dramatic word is recited dispassionately. 
The preacher doesn't make the gospel dramatic. It already is. To communicate the gospel dramatically is to fit preaching with the content. Dispassionate preaching is a lie. It denies the content it conveys. I urge students when they read a biblical text to look for the drama and accent the emotive words from the text, highlight the passion. Oh man, I can still hear his voice saying those words to me. So uh, I I would commend, uh, and there's other contributions in this book, Sinclair Ferguson and others, but that chapter in particular, you, you will read that chapter and then you will look up and listen to him preach and realize, oh, I see this. You, you said it so well. He was, he was a theologian for every man, and he saw the preaching event as a, a dramatic moment. And he was captured by the the drama of Scripture, the appropriate passage, and he wanted to to convey that content appropriately. So I would encourage our pastors uh, over the next year. I mean, you know, here we are at the beginning of a year. You got to plan your reading. Well, pl- plan to plan plan a diet uh, related to his writings and listen to his preaching uh, because it will they will both serve you big time as a pastor really helpful uh, in case you missed it that book is the preacher and preaching edited by samuel t logan not hard to find on amazon it's about all the time we have for today i hope you'll read more rc Sproul and yep. benefit from yep. his writing and oh, his my. teaching yep. cj thank you for taking this time to bring us into uh, your experience with rc my joy grateful for the man and uh already miss him. <laughs>